Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start It Up podcast. I'm excited today to have on a repeat guest, a guy I haven't had on uh, for a while. His name is Steve Sims. He is the founder and CEO of a luxury concierge service, Bluefish. But he also had written a book uh, called Bluefishing, and it is among my favorites. And at the risk of almost sounding like uh, like I'm blathering all over myself, this is one of the audiobooks that I have on routinely. And uh, I go into great detail on this. So I hope that it uh, doesn't sound like I'm pandering to him too much. But Steve is as straightforward as you get. He is one of the guys that, A, uh, took a chance on having me uh, interview him like really early in the podcast. But the other reason is, is that I wanted to talk more about the book. This is such a practical book. I, it's one of those, and I'm going to talk about this in the show, that it's best as an audiobook because Steve and his unique British gruff accent narrates it. Um, so it's for that and several reasons why I wanted to do this podcast, uh, the second one. So if you are a fan of Audible, I highly recommend it. Blue Fishing by Steve Sims, that's S-I-M-S. Among the most practical, awesome advice you'll get, and uh, I think that you'll benefit from it. Also on this podcast are just, again, some simple strategies you can use tomorrow. Nothing theoretical. These things you can do tomorrow or today, as he'd probably say, tell you. And the, the who he is working with and who he's collaborating with is staggering. And all from a guy that used to lay bricks and then used to be a bouncer. His ascension into awesomeness is <laughs> legendary. So I'm going to quit gabbing. You're going to enjoy this episode. Uh, one thing I do like, though, if you want to leave a review on iTunes, that is like gold to us. That is how we expand. And also, um, we've taken a little bit of a break from interviewing guests because we've been so busy. But if you have a recommendation for who would be a great guest on the show, please send me an email, dwetrick at startedupfoundation.org. All right, let's get into this one. The one and only Steve Sims. Jumping right in right now, I am joined live with Steve Sims. Steve, I've only had one other person that's been on twice, so I am quite excited about this. Thank you for being back on. Well, it's obviously an honor then. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so you were among the early, early guests, which speaks volumes on you. You took a chance on this um, no-name teacher in central Indiana. And since then, the, the things have gone well. But one thing I regretted is that uh, when I interviewed you, your book hadn't come out yet. And I have recommended your book to quite a few people, but only in person. I've never done a podcast about it. So I, I kind of wanted to jump in a little bit about your book. And then I want to dig deeper into the audio book and why I enjoy it so much. So Let's get right at it. You are a son of a bricklayer, and you decided, I'm going to write a book. What the heck? <laughs> well, there's a, there's, a, there's a few little chapters in between that, but um, it's, uh, it's not much. You know, I started as an uneducated East London, you know, biker that, you know, ended up working on my dad's building site. And now I get to work with everyone from Elton John and the Branson Foundation and El, um, Elon Musk and, you know, some of the richest, most powerful people in the world that you don't know uh, are my clients. And I'm still that, you know, kid from East London riding around on a motorbike, you know, spelling things badly and maybe doing things that he shouldn't do, but just happens to be able to pull off some of the most amazing things that even amaze me. One of them is doing a book. Well, and the book, and I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not embarrassing you by saying this, I, although I doubt it because you don't seem to be embarrassed. 
I won, I read one bad review and it was like, some guys like, well, this is too simple or something like that. And I'm like, no, this is exactly why I love the book. So uh, you, so full disclosure, I bought the book. I loved it. Um, one day you were offering a special on the audio version. You're like, Hey, I narrate it. You've got an unusual, well, you've got a great accent, right? So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to get Steve in my ear. Maybe that'll inspire me. I had a road trip and it was like a four hour drive and it was just straight through. And I, hands down, I, I, I just to sometimes get motivated. I was listening to it this weekend only because it spurs my mind of things that I could do. And it's so practical. Um, so let, let's dive in a little bit. First of all, uh, let's talk to the people on how you got the name of your book. All right. Well, when I was, when I was a doorman, um, you know, this is obviously audio only, so they can't see how stunningly good looking and how much I resemble <laughs> Brad Pitt, but God designed me to work on the door of nightclubs and to scare, you know, grandparents and small children. So I was naturally a doorman. And I wanted to get to know affluent people. You know, the, the, the primitive thing, and we'll get into that in a second, but the primitive thing they say is you are the combination of the people you hang out with. Yeah. All of the people I were hanging, around, hang out, hanging out with were poor bikers. So I started hanging out with affluent people by telling them where the best parties were, where the best clubs were. And the way that I did it was... I wanted to have, I only wanted to handle, uh, hang around with people that were, I don't like to use the word confident, but were comfortable enough mm. to have a giggle and quite often laugh at themselves. So I would give people silly passwords to get into my events. And one of them was go to Bobby, finish this sentence, one fish, two fish, red fish. So people would turn up and they would go, um, blue fish. And the bouncer would be like, in you go, mate. And it was just this tongue-in-cheek. Now, we used about, I God knows how many, a dozen, maybe half a dozen different passwords. But that bluefish one, Stuck. I, think, I think maybe we repeated it too many times because people started calling us that bluefish company. Yeah. And so when we actually started doing more things and you know, we became like a Make-A-Wish Foundation with people with really big checkbooks, People started then using it as a verb and saying, well, look, you know, oh, I bluefished that. And, oh, mm. you know, I went out last night and I was bluefishing all the way, boy. And I remember when this started happening, we found it funny because we had given meaning to something that didn't have any. And when the book, um, when we got the opportunity of the book, first of all, I was offered the deal on the book to basically do a kiss, or, kiss and tell of all the people I dealt with, all the rich and famous, what they got up to, what they spelt them out. And quite simply, if I didn't want to be in business anymore, I would have done yeah. that book. Yeah. In fact, if I didn't want to be alive anymore, I would have done that book. <laughs> um, but it obviously couldn't be done. So then they actually changed tact and they said, look, why don't you do it on what you do, not who you do it for? And then when the book was being put together, this whole blue fishing, blue fisher um, came about and they went, hey, you're blue fishing. It's the art of making things happen. And it was, it was, a, it was a tagline that ended up becoming the title. And that's how it came about. And it's really stuck and done well. And I yeah. love people saying, hey, I threw this party the other day. 
It could have been a good party, but I thought, no, I've got to bluefish it. And I made it, I made it far better. And just that word, it became an actionable uh, term. And I took great pride in that. Yeah. I, I like even at your origin story, you know, one, you like, it's your destiny to be what everybody in your family was. And that was a bricklayer. And you're like, no, I decided not to. And well, that's for other people. And you decided not for me. But then when you got your start, and, and I think that the, the maybe the first step of when you were turning people away and saying, not tonight, fellas, and then you're, you know, the owner was like, why are you turning people away? And you're like, because I would lose trust. They would walk in here and they'd know that it's not happening tonight and they'd never come back again. That was yeah. like, to me, the start of the book in the sense that you started to unlock secrets on, not even secrets, common sense that people overlook on how to get things done and how to make things happen. And that raw and real, and, and make no mistake about it, if, if you guys are going to check out the book, it's not how to be a party planner. It's not how to have a, an event with Journey. These are, these are great side stories. It's about how to make things authentic. And, and, and I appreciated that more than anything because as being a teacher um, and being a teacher that wants to inspire kids how to get things done, this was a blueprint on Here's how you stand out. Here's how you get things done. And matter of fact, let me just side story this because uh, like only unfortunately 15 people were in the room and, and, and I'm not saying this to make you uh, like, you know, pander to you too much, Steve. But I remember one day they were shooting a video, a public relations video for our school. And they said, hey, just call somebody on Skype and then have somebody talk to your kids because we, we did that a lot. And the first person I thought of was you. And all I think you really had to do was to say, blah, 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 hi, kids, because there was no audio, there was only video. And you gave a 15-minute sermon <laughs> on how to make things real and authentic and how to get a hold of the people that you've always wanted to get a hold of. So just want to give that side story. But, <laughs> but, but at the same time, like, as you go through the chapters, there's that, you know, that ugliness, that rawness to how to get things done. Unpack on why sometimes it's just not a good idea to make things pretty, instead make them raw. So for a start, I remember that article, the review you talked about, um, the uh, no, it can't be this easy. Um, and I remember that I've often told people to, to my publisher's hatred, I've actually said to people, buy this book, because it will rip you off. And people are like, you know, why, why would I want to be ripped off? The bottom line of it is this book tells you everything that you already know, yet your smartness tells you that it doesn't work anymore. And the bottom line of it is, we shouldn't be focused on polishing things, we should be focused on the substance and the impact. And impact comes at a core level. So keep it raw. Keep it ugly, because quite simply, you look at a magazine and there's a beautiful woman there and you go, oh, you look past it, because if you analyzed it for too long, you'd realize that the picture's been so photoshopped that in real life, she would have to be nine feet tall. So people don't trust what they're seeing anymore. Everything's too pictured. You remember when you saw the, um, a, a movie, uh, I forget what it was, The Rock, and there was all the buildings um, and it was the earthquake movie that he did on the West Coast. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was a typical kid popcorn movie. And that's, that's fine. But these buildings are falling over and they're crashing and 
All these kind of things are happening. And you're watching it and you're going, ooh, ah, oh, look, that building fell over and that crater. But nothing's happening inside your gut. Yet when you see videos of the tsunami, it's not crystal clear blue waves that are coming in. It's dirty water that's picking up debris as it's coming in. And therefore, it's, it's, it's scary. And when you see the 9-11 videos, there's nothing pretty about them. It's not a clear blue sky. Everything's raw, and it's that grit that makes the impact. So with me, everything I do, my sole focus is to trigger an impact and a reaction in you. And I find the best and easiest way to do it is to do it at a core level. And don't polish it. Don't overanalyze it. Don't overthink it. Don't overprettify it. And stop chasing the perfection. Because, and I, I know you've got a lot of children and you, you work with, but my, my, my stand in line within my, my training uh, videos is that perfection is a, um, a blue unicorn with three testicles. It doesn't <laughs> exist. And so many people try to plan perfection mm -hmm. to create that impact where you can create it by actually a little video like we've done, a little video, a little note, a little voice recording that's texted between each other. These are simple, impactful methods that have got me in front of everyone from the Vatican to the heads of state. Yeah, let me let me unpack that because, like, for full disclosure, if you guys want to hear the whole story, uh, like Steve already you know, early in this podcast, he talks about the fact that he has a, 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 a like you said, a, a I can I can make your dreams come true company. Whether you want to get married at the you know at at, at a what was that the uh, the Louvre? No, let's see. You've had some, yeah, you've had somebody play with Journey. No, it was you, married in the Vatican by the Pope. Oh yep. gosh, that's crazy. So you, Steve, Steve makes things happen um, at a high level. And matter of fact, every time you know I, you, you peek in there on Facebook, hey, I'm hanging out with Elton John today. I'm like, oh you. Um, but <laughs> hey, someone's got to. Well, it's true. But like, just some of the most practical things. And to your credit, like you're right. Like how to win friends and influence people. I've assigned that to several students, and they get down with it. They're like. Those were the most obvious things that I'd never remember to do. Mm. And, and your authenticness is, and, and just to recall a couple of them, like, you know, you'll see, like one of my favorites is, is that you, you got basically the cocktail ingredients of a great drink at a great hotel. And you personally mailed everybody on your client list, the, the recipe and saying, or, or the mix and like, Hey, just thinking of you next time you're out, uh, you know, drinks on me or, or tearing out a page of a magazine and saying, thought of you when I saw this car. Again, you're snail mailing things in an age of digital. And yet I'm listening to them like, you genius, you. Like you're just the fact that you like, you're on my mind. And it's, and you even made a point, like make sure the terror is not, on the margins, make sure it's rough, make sure that you're like, I was literally just thinking this, slapped it down, threw a stamp on it and threw it out. I think that that's genius. But again, I think to your credit after that is that you're authentic after that. You, you, you send, you send a, a piece of mail, you send something thoughtful, but then you follow up and know that it's not complete BS. Yeah, we just keep things understandable relatable and real because we're in 
we're in a world now, and it's very scary for the kids. Um, and I don't know if it happens when you're 50, but for me, I suddenly started looking at my youngsters going, in the next two generations, I'm concerned because I'm seeing the top of too many people's heads. Here's an example, and I don't want to go off kilt, but... No, uh, I'm, I'm loving the point you're about to make. Please I, get full on. I'm a, I, I'm a boxer. I used to do kickboxing when I was young, okay? So my guard is just under my chin. My elbows are in and my knuckles are up by my chin. And if I stand in front of you, and, I hold, and I'm doing it with you now because I've got a headset on, if I put my fists underneath my chin and my elbows in, you know I'm ready to fight you, okay? Now, the dumb thing is, if you walk in a Starbucks and you order your coffee, everyone else has ordered that coffee. What do they do? They then go and stand next to the, the barista where they're going to get that coffee. They get that phone out, and they hold it with two hands. And have you ever noticed that those two hands are the exact same position as a boxer's guard is up? And that face is down, that chin's down. If you were to quickly remove that phone from that grasp, they're in a boxer's position. So everyone is now in an environment, a social environment, in guard position. And it is causing a lot of distraction. It's causing a lot of disturbance within our guts. We're seeing the top of people's heads. So the idea of us having eye contact, oh, hell, that freaks people out. You want to scare someone, you walk into an elevator or get, into, get on a bus or get on, a, on, on a, uh, an escalator or something like that, and you look at the person next to someone, you hold eye contact for two seconds. It will freak someone out because things are changing now and communication, yeah. sadly, is going to be one of those extinct animals that we see on a, a, a wildlife show in the future. And we need to change it now. We yes. need to get back to the real way that we communicate, connect, and relate to each other. Well, I think uh, proving your point, you had mentioned that a couple times in the book that you you notice behaviors, especially like you're big into providing experiences, which I'm also afraid as well that our students or our youngsters aren't looking for experiences. They're looking for experiences on a screen, which by the way, causes more and more depression. Like I wish I were in Maui or I wish I was at a <laughs> Emmy party with Elton John. Anyway. Um, but you know, they, they look down and this causes that anxiety and, and, and terribleness. But you were pointing out that, you know, you had a client call and, and I'm not going to give away the whole book, but you know, you had a client call and he was kind of like saying, I, I kind of want to do this, but you felt in his voice that he didn't. And just by listening and listening to verbal cues, you gave him an experience of a lifetime and gave him an excuse on a way out of something. I, I think... Yeah, I, I, I know that one you're talking about. As soon as you <laughs> mentioned the word excuse, yeah. We want to give, and people need to do this now, because communication's getting so bad, and because people are so scared of actually telling you what they really want, you've got to listen to what people want and give them what they need. And 99% of the time, and I'm only pretending on that last 1%, because if I'm truthful to myself, it's 100% of the time, those two things are different. Why do you think that is? People are scared. Pe people are actually scared of revealing what they want. The guy that wanted to meet Journey wanted to actually do something with Journey because they hit that music had meant something to his life. But all he felt he could settle for 
was a, a handshake backstage. Yeah. And yeah, I, I love that story, by the way, that you yeah, found so, commonality. Well, we found commonality, but more than anything, we found that his passion for the project, for the dream to come true, was so great that it wouldn't have been satisfied had we have given him what we would have asked for. I would have done my job. I would have been contractually and legally safe to have given him what he first asked me for. But we knew in listening to his story, it would not have completed the cycle. It would have not been the, the, the movie ending that he needed to be able to conclude that, that those chapters of his life with Journey. A handshake backstage after a sweaty concert. Quite simply, he'd have gone home at that night, getting what he paid for, but feeling dejected and mipped off. And instead, you gave him? Well, he sang live on stage <laughs> with the rock band Journey, and he's now deemed as the shortest-term lead singer of the iconic rock band. So he went from wanting to shake their hands to actually performing on stage with them. Yeah. No, I, I love that story, and, and you'll have to read the book on what the commonality is. But I, look, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of people that are going to listen to this podcast, uh, they're going to hear all these things, and, and this is the reason why I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes an obvious thing is, uh, common sense is no longer common. And um, one of the reasons, you know, I, and for full disclosure, I got the book first and then, yeah. And then I remember one day you were offering a special and, and uh, the audio book and I'm like, why not? It has been, um, sometimes I'll put it in the car. Sometimes I'll remember to send a note to somebody just because Steve had given you the most practical idea in the world. And, and I, I think it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you back on, but you also had some interesting uh, backstory about, um, the the audiobook and how that came to be <laughs> so the book i laugh but um and, and you probably will as well um the book came out and did a lot better than i thought it would um i wrote a book to make a statement of what my opinion was and just prayed that there were people out there that had the the, the commonality and that shared the same uh, same uh, goal and discussed the way things were going so it did catch on but then I get a call from Simon Schuster one day telling me that this company, uh, Blackstone, uh, wanted to buy the audio rights. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's good. I'm going to be an audio book. That's, that's nice. Hadn't thought about it. But on that same email, they sent me these three. This is a true story. They sent me these three um, recordings from people that they had whittled it down to out of, I think, 12, who had done like about a 30 second to one minute read of a certain chapter of the book. And they said to me, which one do you like best? Now, anyone out there that's got more than two brain cells has already worked out that I'm British. And these three people were three Americans trying to put on my accent. And it was horrible. It, 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 it I got the wife in, I play, I'm like, can you believe this? And so I've got an old English bulldog. So I actually turned around and I sent my agent an email. And I said to, and again, I shall, I shall paraphrase it for the politeness of the people that, were, that are listening. But I sent this uh, email to my agent saying that I've got an old English bulldog. And his left genitalia 
could do a better British accent than any three of these. <laughs> but if I had to pick one, it would be number eight. So let's see where it goes. So him in all of his intelligence just forwarded directly to Simon Schuster, who forwarded it directly to Blackstone, who then came back to me and they said, look, if your dog's left genitalia is not available, would you be willing to get this audition <laughs> for it? So oh. I had to act. Yeah, no, no. That was the no. <laughs> yep, I had to audition for, for the book. Your own book. So here was the thing. It was actually just down the road for me. It was in this studio. Uh, the studios, you know, you get some really cool studios here in LA. So it was a chance of me getting a peek into somebody else's sandpit. So I thought, oh, I like all entrepreneurs. We like to be able to peek behind the curtain a bit of someone else's, you know, parade. So this was a chance for me to go down, do a 10-minute audition. It would be recorded. And then once I was in the studio, then I could basically just mill around the studio and see who was it. So I was being nosy, okay? The little Irish lad from, from East London has never really left me. So I did the audition, and guess what? I got the job. So, and they came back to me, and I won't, I won't say how much, but they came back and they said, well, we'd really love you to do it. This is how much we pay. And I said, no, I want 12 times that. And they said, well, we've never paid a voiceover person that much. And I said, well, you never paid me to read my own book before either. So here's the scoop. Do you want people to get it? Do you want people to relate to it? Do you want people to be able to connect the dots? And they were like, eh. so we settled on less than that, but you've always got to ask for more than what you want. Um, and that was it. I actually got to release it. And it, it, made, it made number one in so many different countries. And did, I think it probably did, and this, this is off the top of my head, maybe like 50 times better than the actual book. Um, it just did really, really well. Yeah. And again, I, I think that, well, I don't have any problem saying it. I, I liked the audio and, and I'm, and I'm, I, first of all, I like audiobooks a lot. Sometimes it drives me nuts because, well, I walk a lot now and I like listening to it. And sometimes you're like, you, you have to make notes, but you know, depending on your app, you can make notes as well. But no, it, having you give the stories and giving, you know, this, having Steve in your ear was something I, I found, uh, awesome. So it's, uh, if, if, if you, if you are considering an audiobook, uh, if you're an audible person, I'd, I'd recommend it. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So the other, like, other kind of interesting things in there on the book, um, I, I like though a lot of uh, some of the other metaphors in the sense that you know your approach at trying things and and your um, authenticity of when something doesn't go right, you own it a hundred percent. And you know we definitely can get these you know fail early, fail often kind of stories from Silicon Valley, but you had your own kind of twist on it because you have uh, um, on your misses, you have some sort of brilliant way on turning it into a, a wonderful experience anyway. And, and you, you give some examples from the book, but you know, your <clears throat> willingness to be authentic and real with people is what I, I, I think has, has won most people over. But I, I do have to ask, um, what's in, and I hate to say like what your, your greatest miss but on, on a client that, um, well, I should ask, do, have, you wa have you had a client, I'm assuming no one bats a thousand, that just walked away feeling uh, disappointed 
And what do you think happened if they did walk away disappointed? Well, this is going to sound really cocky and arrogant, and hopefully we've long, known ourselves long enough to know that that's not me. But no, I've never failed. And do you know why I've never failed? It's very easy. It's very simple. It goes back to the beginning part of this conversation. I've never given someone what they asked for. You see, if you, you imagine the guy that wanted to meet Journey, okay? I straight away went for the deep end. And I straight away went to try and get 20 times more than what was possible. If for any reason they couldn't have had him on stage, they couldn't have had him sing in front of a live audience, they couldn't have done all of these, they couldn't have hung out backstage with him beforehand and after. Let's just say that all the way down, I had got a signed T-shirt before they did the handshake backstage. I still would have achieved more than what he had asked for. So you deliberately, wow. Well, that's an, insur- that's an insurance policy that all your it, clients will be happy. You're going to over-exceed. You know, that, you know that I closed down a museum in uh, um, uh, the Academia in uh, Florence for yeah. a client that wanted... Well, that client was a very powerful client, and he wanted to have an exclusive restaurant in Florence. So before I actually booked a restaurant, which, again, would have satisfied uh, the request, I actually wanted to see how far I could take it. I closed down an entire museum at the feet of Michelangelo's David, and then halfway through he's chewing his pasta, I had Andrea Bocelli come through and serenade him. Now, if I had failed on any part of that, to the point that I'd just got the restaurant, oh, and got the chef to come out and shake his hand during the meal, I would have achieved. I would not have failed. So the first thing is, you don't go for the goalpost. You go for your goalpost. Don't, don't achieve what the other person sets you up for. Go way beyond it. And then when you fall short, and I've had those situations. I've tried to get celebrities to turn up. I've tried to close down palaces and government buildings and failed and ended up getting a mansion or a fantastic super yacht. And maybe there was a bigger one out there and that one failed, but I got the next one down and the client was expecting a little rowboat and he got a power yacht that was featured in the James Bond movie. So if you go for what your client is willing to settle for, then you're not growing, you're not achieving, you're not turning the client from a fan into a fanatic, you're not doing any of those things. So when you see the goalpost is set here, straight away set your goalpost far further. So if you fail, you're still 80, 90, 75% way further than what would have been settling for gold. Wow. So that's why I've never failed. In the eyes of the client, right? In, wild. Right in the eyes of the client, that's that's a great point to make because, like, like you were saying, there there were you might have gone for a hundred percent over the top, and they were already happy with you know just their expectations. So I, I love that, and I also like and again I, the, the the conversations you even had with yourself. I, I particularly liked when you were at maybe your apex, and at also at that who am I really when you know, you, you, <laughs> you're in front of someone else's yacht and then you realize that you were already a huge success and here you are comparing and then you had to get real with yourself. And I think when you, and I think it's part of your charm, when you, when you killed your ego 
um, and, and squash that out, then that was also when you kind of taken uh, these, these next steps and, and, and really started to move things forward. Uh, yeah. I, mm. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like I'm falling all over myself, guys. Uh, seriously. <laughs> I I've, I've done a lot of authors and, and I've loved them all. Um, but this is the one of only two books I've listened to at least three times. This is one of the only few books that I'll listen, like, listen to just to get motivated to go in and talk to a group of people. It's that practical. And, um, and, and when I say books, I, I do mean the audio. If you are an audio book, actually, you know, if you're not an audio book listener, may I recommend this is your first. Um, practical. Uh, straightforward and filled with ideas that I think are going to inspire you to, as Steve just said, just move your own goalpost. Those expectations that your boss has for you, you're going to walk away from this book going, oh shit, I can exceed that. You can be the linchpin. You can be the person from some of these unbelievably, you can do this, it's not as hard, don't overthink it type of um, lessons from the book. Steve. I sincerely appreciate you coming back on. I knew that, uh, by the way, being a host, uh, being a podcast host when you're on is pretty easy. I just put myself on mute. <laughs> just let you go. Let me rant on. <laughs> right. And you were extremely well, like, I, for the record, I mean, I, yeah, I get some students listening. We're mostly adults here, but you kept it. Kept it really, you behaved yourself tonight. I appreciate that. Uh, tell everybody else where they can find you, the book, any other things you want them to point them towards? So if they head over to uh, stevedsims.com, that's uh, D for dog, S-I-M-S. So stevedsims.com, they can sign up for the newsletters. If they sign up for the newsletter, they'll actually get a free PDF, which is the cheat sheet of the book, Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. And you can Google um, Bluefishing, they are making things happen on Audible. It's in Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the usual suspects. But um, the book's readily available on on Amazon and on Audible. In fact, if you sign up for Audible, you can download the book and then you can even cancel it and get the book for free. I'm not condoning that, but hey, if you want the book that badly, that's a way of getting it. Yeah, highly recommended. Well, Steve, I hope they check it out. I hope they check out your book. For full disclosure. I, I don't, uh, I don't get any cut. I just want to support, um, the authors that I really believe in and guys, uh, this is, this is one of my favorites. So Thank I appreciate you. you being on, appreciate you being honest and real with us. And, uh, who knows, maybe there's a version part three of this podcast, maybe another, who knows, but I sincerely, <laughs> sincerely appreciate you having on Steve. Thanks buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. <laughs>